0: Hey, everybody. This is Mike with the podcast. As you know, we're on a break between our season two and our season three. And just wanted to have a moment just to share our enthusiasm and our excitement for how season two went. And just for all of our listeners, we so appreciate you tuning in and and riding along with us each week. I cannot wait to unveil the star-studded cast that we have for season three. I think you're going to be really excited about it. But In the meantime, we didn't want to leave you hanging. Instead, we wanted to reintroduce some of our favorite podcasts from this past season. And with that, I hope that you enjoy this next podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you all in season three.
1: As a team leader, I face new challenges every day. Fortunately, I found Teams Global, their e-learning platform makes it easy to take hyper-relevant courses like giving and receiving feedback, ownership to action, and managing virtual teams. Teams Global allows me to learn on my schedule and at a price I can afford. Check out Teams Global today at Global.com and become the leader that your team needs you to be. Teams Global has a special gift for you the listeners of the Building Teams podcast. Use the code podcast10, that's podcast A S T one zero when checking out for any Teams global course for a 10% discount on your order. Sign up for a course today. Welcome to Building Teams with Teams & Co, where we explore how leaders can empower their teams, achieve ambitious strategies, and deliver an exceptional customer experience. Views expressed by guests are their own and may not reflect the views of Teams & Co.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Building Teams with Teams & Co. Today, we are thrilled to welcome Ann Jones, the co-founder of District C. Ann, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Excited to be here.
0: And it's awesome to have you in on the podcast. I was looking through District C this morning, and I just think that there's so much mission alignment between what you spend so much of your life focusing on and, and building this system to equip and empower um, high schoolers. It just, It's amazing, and it's so aligned with what we do with Teams & Co. I would love to just kick things off with, with understanding what was the inspiration behind District C, and, and how did you get it started?
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, Mike, and uh, couldn't agree more. Such So much great work uh, that you all are focused on uh, as well. This work is hugely important. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is the school world and the real world are just getting too far apart, mm. you know? I mean, you think about the kinds of things that, that you all are focused on and companies are saying, you know, we want to get better at. They want team players and they want thinkers right? They 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 want a team in their company uh, that when things like COVID hit, that they can pull together and and pivot and find a way. And then that's a big problem example, but there's lots of little things that happen along the way. And I think for us, the reason that we started District C was the things that students are getting the, the opportunity to do in school isn't like that. Uh, it, they don't get opportunities to really work in a team to to solve a messy problem like you do all day every day in businesses. And I think when that is the case, then you know, fast forward through that, that young person's life, even if they do everything right. You know, they take all the right classes, get great grades, the test scores look awesome. You know, then you get to a job interview and what's that employer gonna ask you? Well, tell me about a time that you worked in a team. Tell me about a time that you really had to solve a complex problem. And, you know, for a lot of our students, they can talk about a sports team that they were on or maybe, you know, a group project they did in school where it wasn't that great and it was hard. But, you know, these students need chances to do more things that look more like what we do in the real world, where they're working in teams and dealing with complexity and messiness. So that was our motivator, honestly, was that early talent pipeline, honestly, for what you all do, kind of how I'd say it.
2: Well, we really appreciate that work. I, I think it really resonates with me. I chose an MBA program in business school that specifically most of our grades were based on group projects. And it was interesting because the, the U.S. model, I actually studied in Spain, and the U.S. model is very kind of competitive, right? You, you're kind of always trying to get the highest grade in the class. And, and I specifically chose a program that was very focused on entrepreneurship and very focused on collaboration. So my, my colleagues and classmates were from 46 different countries. We all worked constantly in teams and they switched every three months. So you'd have a a team for a quarter. You did all of your work with that team in all of your classes. And it was amazing because the way that the school did it, we were all from different countries. We were all from different backgrounds. So maybe somebody was from accounting and somebody was from marketing and somebody was from finance and somebody was from sales. So we all had different expertise and it really set us all up well for what does it feel like to be in a cross-functional team, right? Right. What does it feel like when you're in accounting class? And yeah, there's one person in your group who really knows accounting, and they have to basically teach everybody else accounting, <laughs> right? Or when it was the time for the marketing and branding projects, then I got a, a great opportunity to you know talk through what does it mean to be in marketing and branding. And But I found it was such a great setup. So learning about District C, I've been super excited because I had to wait all the way until I was in business school, right? Yeah. I had already gone through a portion of my career. I had I had left my career to go back to school full time, and that was the first time really intentionally any school said, you're going to work in a team. And And I just find it really great that you guys are starting so much earlier because I, I think it will help those students and would love to hear maybe some of the kind of, A, the framework of your program, and then B, yeah. some of the feedback you, you get from the students who are involved.
3: Yeah, I love that question. And the framework, I want to start where you left off, right? That As I was kind of mentioning before, there's two things we're really focused on. How do you leverage the strengths of a diverse team, which is, which is what you've just described, right? Diversity in all, all of the senses of the word. But how do you do that to solve a complex problem? Now, step back from that framework for a second, because I want to appreciate actually how complex and challenging this is right? It's hard enough to be in a team it's, and manage personalities and dynamics. It's, it's actually hard enough when there are differences and you're trying to figure out how to use those as strengths and, and how do you bring those together. And then it gets even harder when you're dealing with a complex novel problem where the right answer is not in the back of the book. Like, so that's our frame. How do you leverage the strengths of a diverse team to solve a complex problem and, and I, you know, I love the fact, Tracy, that you're saying you went after that because again, like it's not easy, but when you have a chance to be coached through a process of how to do that at a high level, yeah which people do know how to do this work, right. And people can get better at this work. Like I really bristle when you hear company leaders talk about the importance of teamwork and problem solving. Um, but say, you know, people just really can't get better at that. So my, I just have to hire the people that are already good at that. I just fundamentally disagree with that. So our framework is about building a point of view on how do you help people get better at that with the belief that you actually can. The second piece then to your question is the feedback from the students. I also want to talk about the feedback from the businesses, right? But the students really begin to Say back that this is working. They know they're getting better at this. And what are the stories they tell? They say, Oh my gosh, before District C, I hated group work. I always ended up doing everything myself. Nobody else wanted to be there. It was terrible. Like that, that's their team group work experience, right? They're like, I cannot believe how quickly I got to know these people on my team, how everyone was like so engaged and so helpful. And like everyone had all this stuff they could do that I couldn't do. And I can't believe how fast we actually figured out this problem for this business and actually gave them an insight on why it's happening and what they could do about it. Like, they're, they're stunned. And, and, you know, there's some real basic things that we coach them on. I mean, not to, like, undersell what we all do here. But, you know, I mean, the, the, it's, it comes down to some pretty foundational basic type stuff that high-performing teams do. And so that's the feedback from the students. They can't believe it. They're like, wow, this is great. The businesses are also kind of like, are you kidding? How, how old are these kids? How long, how long <laughs> have they been working on this stuff? I mean, we've had CEOs of companies at the end of the pitch, the first words out of, of one uh, Nate Spilker from his mouth, you're hired. Wow. That was the first thing he said. We've had other founders and CEOs say, you know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I've got to text the company. We're having an all-hands meeting first thing in the morning. To go over the solution that you just suggested we do, because we're doing this.
0: And just for all the listeners, this is high schoolers that are yeah. the, the people that are, th- they're the engine that's powering these insights that's causing CEOs to say, hey, let's have an all-hands meeting tomorrow, because we need to discuss the work that this diverse group of high schoolers has put together in, in how long? How long are the projects? Right on. H- How long are the, yeah. the typical projects, Anne?
3: It really varies. And so I will say anywhere from imagine a, a one week intensive. This is a great kind of summer model, Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's pretty short, though, right? So that, you know, you're talking 40 hours. We've done even sort of three week sort of after school type models where the students are meeting like a full day Saturday. They meet then three times in the evenings each week, one hour at a time doing work virtually like this. Uh, they come back and pitch But I'll tell you what, my favorite model is, uh, and and this is really where we focus most of our time, is we are trying to prepare coaches of this work to Mm -hmm. take this back and offer what we call teamship. That's the name of our experience, to offer teamships to students that are at their school, that are a part of their organization, you know, again, whether that be a nonprofit or something like the Y or something like that. And when they do that, like, let's imagine, for example, you get to offer this Like one of our high schools does, uh, Research Triangle High School, they offer it as a full year course. Mm. These students do five different problem cycles, five different teams solving problems for five different businesses. Imagine when you've had that many touches on the ball, how good you get at this work. So by their fifth cycle, the students are actually picking their own teams, finding their own businesses, sourcing their problem with that business, and then going through the process of understanding the root cause of the problem, going back to the solution and pitching it back to the business. You know, we, we talk about, you know, as coaches, what we're trying to do is teach them to fish, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that there's some gradual release involved in all that. But they are they get so good at this work so fast. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. That sounds really exciting. And then the thing I love about it is is we <laughs> I was I was kind of chuckling when you said that people don't think that you can invest and build in teams because um, we hear that as well. And it's like, no, that's entirely what we do all day, right? That's right. It, is we help you build a, a team that's empowered and, and agile and and it is a it is a built skill, right? I think a lot of times people think of this, you know, teamwork as like a soft skill. It's actually the most critical thing we do. If you think about it in an organization, there's very few times you deliver a, something all by yourself, right? Like no input from anybody. That's, that's a very, right. very rare occurrence, right? So Sometimes it will happen, but not very often. And and we say the same thing, which is it comes down to those fundamentals, right? It's yep. the same thing where, you know, when you're playing on a basketball team, you know, you have to learn how to, to pass, right? You have to learn how to shoot. You have to learn the basics before you can put it all together. The thing I wonder about with the projects is, how do you see that, you know, we usually say kind of there's, there's phases to teams and you've, you've probably heard the old adage, storming, norming, forming, performing, you know. Yes. How do you start to see teams, you know, kind of come together and, and how do you see the team members themselves start to build that leadership skill of individual leadership, right? Of like, hey, when I'm on a team, I don't need to be the manager to be able to be a leader. Do, how do you see that kind of progress through this, this year that they may do?
3: yeah, let me um go back quickly to a comment you made too about the fundamentals. so so yeah. there's a really important piece that we do here that's related to kind of how they come together and how this work works. So thanks for teeing up the uh, the sports uh, analogy there. So we let's use talk, them all
2: the time. <laughs> let's talk basketball
3: um, <laughs> while we're at it. So right, I do think there is something to dribbling drills, right? Left, right, crossovers, you know, all of those things, passing drills, shooting drills. Um but imagine, if that's all you ever got to do, right. mm-hmm. you wouldn't be very good at the game of basketball. So like, I think a great thing that we can learn in education and, and learning world, right, whether that be in schools or through professional environments, people need, yes, you need practice on the fundamentals, but you need opportunities to put them in action and and be using those fundamentals in context with coaching feedback and, and very much in, in the spirit of a coach feedback, right? Like you can't play the game for them. You've got to let them play, but you can still give feedback. So I want to just sort of, that is very much our approach in terms of supporting students to get better at this work. So to your question, the fundamentals for us, I'm going to just give three tools. And I know tools is kind of a, some language that you all use too, but tools are behaviors. Tools are things people do in high-performing teams. That is our version of dribbling, passing, and shooting, right? So, so I'll give you three tools that we talk about. The questioning tool, again, I know this is not rocket science, but we'll dig into that a little bit more, right? Because there's dribbling and then there's like Kyrie Irving dribbling, right? I mean, so like there's that. Uh, There's a tool we call Take Five, which is literally just teaching people the discipline of staying with one person on the team, even up for five minutes and just being invested in them and their ideas and their perspectives and trying to get into their head. And that, again, it's a super simple tool, but you got to fight our instinct, which is you're just, we're always so in our head. Same problem with questioning. You're so in your own head. You're really asking questions to make a point. So, so those, those tools, questioning and take five, help start shifting people to begin to learn how to come together, which is your question, right? How do you do that? Well, we teach people new behaviors, new ways of working. They practice those a little bit. We introduce them, we explain them as tools and how do you get power out of the tool and, and, you know, right? But most importantly, let's get in the game. Let's start working in a team and solving a problem for a business and using these tools and we'll coach you along the way. The third tool is solo flight, right? This was sort of inspired by Susan Cain's book, Quiet, right? The power of introverts in a world that can't Mm. stop talking. She talks about introverts being their most productive and creative and solo flights of thought. So we create this tool that says, hey, look, create that space for, if anything, the introverts on your team, if you want to leverage the diverse strengths of everyone on your team. Those three tools, huge. It's dribble, pass, shoot. I mean, boom, there it is, right? So that is how they start to come together, is developing those new habits, those new ways of working, but understanding it not as a compliance exercise, not as my teacher told me to do this, so I am doing this. As my coach is coaching me on how to play this game better, how to play this game at a high level. It's, it's a huge shift. And again, that's why I say, why are we doing this? School world and the real world, too far apart. School world, do what you're told, follow instructions, I'll lay it out for you. That is not the real world. So we've got to make that shift and give kids more opportunities to do that.
1: And now let's hear about the wonderful
0: people that support this podcast. Are you spending more time managing your accounting than you are managing your team? Maybe it's time to bring on a professional to help you. Michelle Trotz and her team are an accounting and consulting firm that specializes in contract accounting, outsourced CFO and consulting services. They give you the time that you need to focus on operating your organization. Give the Michelle Trotz CPA, CFE, PLLC firm a call today to schedule your free consultation at 828-280-2530. Again, that's 828-280-2530. You don't have to run your organization alone. Michelle Trotz is your partner in accounting. Something you said earlier really resonates uh, where you said, you know, it's it's simple. It's not rocket science, but just because something simple doesn't make it easy. Um, I, I heard an analogy recently where somebody said, well, you know, r- right. running a marathon simple. It's you just put one foot in front of the other. It's just you do it for twenty six point two miles and it's simple, <laughs> but it's really challenging. Right. That's something that that is that takes a lot of training and it takes a lot of practice and it takes getting in, in the game in order to actually have the ability to to do that. And I was thinking as you were talking about my transition from college to the corporate world. And I had a tremendous college experience. But I got to college and I was very much conditioned to sort of look for what's the syllabus? I, I want to be an A player. What does that look like? And going to my boss as almost looking at him like an instructor. What do I need to do to get an A? You know, I've always really cared about my grades. I've always really tried to perform well? What's that look like in this role? And what I learned over time was, one, exactly to your point, it becomes automatically less about us as individuals in the real world. And it becomes more about how and where do you understand your position within a team? And how do you work effectively with other people to deliver a really quality, innovative project to be a a great player for the team? And that can... That rarely comes from somebody in the organizational hierarchy above you saying, here are the things that you need to do, go do them. It, it comes from being a thought leader in our own seats. Um, so I think that's, that's really powerful what, what you're talking about. And I can just say from my experience, I, I've seen it sort of from, from both sides and, and it does take a lot of development early in a career almost to break some of the habits that traditional education teaches you.
3: Yeah, Mike, this is reminding me of a story, actually, that illustrates your point exactly. I was speaking to an executive at uh, at a very successful pharmaceutical startup around here, you know, said around talent and looking for talent, you know, he said, yeah, people will say the students don't have, you know, the sort of skills and competencies they need. He said, it's worse than that. We actually don't just have to, like, give them the skills they're missing. We have to untrain them. And this is exactly to Mike's point, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's they say, look, we show up in a meeting, we're all sitting around the table, something's going on that we can't figure out. You know, what students have been trained to do is be the smartest person in the room, the loudest voice, argue with any, you know, argue against any points that do that. Or, you know, to your point, sit back and say, well, tell me what to do. Neither of those orientations is at all helpful and, and companies are really having to untrain that behavior and, and again, build back these habits, which, you know, is, is the work that we all are focused on. And yeah, and, and, and again, this belief that it can, the belief that we know a little bit of something about how high performing teams work. It is, it is a behavior. It's a new way of forming a habit, right?
2: And that, that's great. And I think one of the things that we talk a lot about with organizations, to your point around building kind of the foundations and the skills with the students is also that leadership muscle, right? So how do you build your leadership muscle? And one of the things that we find, especially with first-time leaders, so you guys have all heard us talk about Teams Global, and a lot of our trainings on Teams Global right now are focused on empowering first-time leaders because it's something that a lot of organizations don't have the ability to invest in. And so what we wanted to do is create a solution that it allowed it to be more accessible, and more approachable, and a little bit more real world, right? Just Mike and I kind of chatting with leaders around, to your point again, not this completely new system, but how do I just put small things into practice each day, right? How do I build that feedback loop? How do I improve my communications? How do I have those one-on-one interactions with my team? And one of the things that we find, and and I'd love to hear your perspective of the student's journey in this, is a lot of times when you start that first role, right, or you, you take on that first management role, you're like, I now have to give people directions, right? Like I have to be very prescriptive. And a lot of times in the in you know in in the workplace, it's not like that, right? But because in school, you say, Okay, my teacher gives me very clear instructions, and I follow them point by point. The assumption is, okay, if I become a leader, I should also be doing that. Where in the real world, it's like, yeah, we have goals, and they may they actually may adjust and shift throughout the year. and as a leader, I need to adjust and shift with my team and be, you know, supportive in that process, right? Like not micromanage, but I do need to be present enough that I can help them navigate all those changes and all those shifts. And so, how do you speak to the students throughout the process around kind of, hey, you're a team member right now, but when you get into leadership, here's how you can become a better coach, right? Like how do you kind of instill that model of coaching and let it live beyond the program?
3: Well, it's interesting because when we first started, we actually talked a lot about the work that we did as leadership. So if you go back to like some of our early, our early stuff and our early videos of students talking about their experience, they talk, they use the word leadership a lot because that was kind of an orientation. So I want to start there. The first, I think, shift in thinking that happens for the students happens not as like a coach role, as a member of a team role. Mm-hmm. And they all come to this because they see themselves as leaders and they want to be great leaders. But they really do realize that they were thinking of leader as being the person that tells everyone what to do, as you're saying. And what they realize with District C is a teamship model is that to be a high performing team, that's not what you do, that you're really trying to leverage the diverse strengths of your team, that you're really trying to create space for all voices and build you know, what Anita Woolley talks about as collective intelligence. Mm -hmm. That you're really trying to build psychological safety, a phrase from Amy Edmondson. So going back to the fundamentals, right? By teaching the students some of these tools, these habits, by being sure they understand the why, the purpose behind these, what it should get them, they really start being able to use these tools and they see, whoa, this is not like any group experience I've ever had. And they will say at the end of it, I think of leadership differently now. So I I think there's a really important first step there is to understand yeah. and and literally what they'll say is what I realize is that what you want is everyone to be a leader on the team. That's a mate. Like that's big jump, right? Yeah.
0: And that's hugely different from the way that a lot of teams run, especially in an educational ecosystem where, you know, and I, I I'm gonna speak in what I think is probably representative for most high school groups, where you have one person that says, I'm the leader, and that looks like put the team on my back. I'm going to get everything done, which facilitates the slackers in the group to then do nothing. Yep. And that's not the way to be successful in any sort of real world experience. Yeah. But that's
3: what they've learned to do quite well, right? And they'll say, it's my grade at stake. I don't want to get that messed up. I mean, you know, and honestly, probably if they're on a team of four, there's probably at least one, if not all of the other kids looking at the one that's doing everything saying, great, if that's what you want to do. I mean, you know, so that dynamic has to, yeah, I mean that, that it has to shift, and you know, I I think that the next step then is, as you imagine, sort of you know, high potentials in the company, they start out as a team player, a team problem solver, but when they get promoted, now all of a sudden it's they're in like a what we would traditionally say as a leadership role, right, where they have direct reports or a team that they're responsible for or managing or those sorts of things. And that relationship to leadership is a next level of transformation. And as you said, Tracy, for us, that word is coach. So when we train our coaches, the first thing they do is experience the work as a problem solver on a team. The second thing they do is begin to understand their work as a coach. Mm -hmm. And as we say, being a team-based problem solver, being a coach, two different things. So the kinds of habits and practices, the tools that we're learning, the ways of working we're doing as a team-based problem solver, when you shift into that coach hat, it's a whole new set of stuff. And 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 at the heart of it is, you know, words you both used earlier, it's like you need to see your role as a coach as empowering your teams to be high-performing teams. How do you do that? And again, there's there's a way to help coaches get better at that work, but but it's it is that is a whole other shift. And we're just we're working with uh, 30 different coaches right now from across the US and our coaching institute. And one of the just this morning, one of the coaches said, I'm really trying to shift from like my teacher mindset to my coach mindset. Yeah. And, yeah. and and right, and what she means by that is I keep wanting to like tell the students, you know, here's how you should solve the problem for the business. Here's why <laughs> they're having, it. here's the solution to you. Like and, and you can't be that leader in a classroom and that's not a good leader in a company. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big shift though. Again. So we sort of it's kind of a two-step process a little bit, I think, from what we see.
2: We um we often say that to companies because we find that also when you're the coach or the leader of a team, right? That one of the hardest things that you have to realize is okay, there's delegation, right? So we always say, Hey, you should set team goals first, and then each individual gets goals from the team goals. So you're all kind of pulling in the same direction. And as the leader, your goal is the team is successful. So your goals are basically the team goals, right? For for, You might have some other projects that you're responsible for from a leadership level, but but that's your success. That's your kind of litmus test. And what we find is if an organization and leaders can start to make that shift, right? Where they don't feel like I have to solve every challenge by myself, you actually get better solutions because you do have that diverse team innovating and thinking of things, right? So if the leader is always saying... Oh, just do it this way. Then nobody needs to think about other ways, right? Nope. The leader's like, I don't know, how do you, how do you all think we should do this today? Then it kind of opens that door to have that conversation and test some things out. And maybe there's three or four ideas, and maybe we agree as a team to test two of them and we see how it goes, right? But that's where the learning and people are like, oh, how do I build innovation? How do I become more agile? And we always say, Well, it starts with you as the leader. If you open up that dialogue, That's where innovation starts, right? It it starts with you not trying to solve every problem, but actually engaging your team.
3: This is the thing we all love to say, right? Is is how do you achieve the whole is greater than the sum of its parts? And the example you just described—if it's it's a team of three and a coach or a leader of one—that's one plus one plus one plus one equals one. If the leader just said, "Do this," I I mean that—that is. So then, how do you get that to equal five or six? And that's where the coaching comes in. And what are the, again, back to the behaviors, the fundamentals as a coach that you can help dribble, pass, shoot, what are those? And, yeah. and, and, but that's so, there's just, it's too countercultural, right? There's too many companies that just don't, they're not there yet. They're not operating that way. And I think there's a lot of interest and desire. I think there's a gut level understanding that, you know, diversity leads to more innovation. I think there's like a head nodding around that, but there needs to be some more intentional work around that.
0: And I think that's such an important point, Anne. And going back to if I put myself back in high school, I always loved being the person to say, "Okay, I want to get the A, so I'm gonna go and do a lot of work." And we all can look at that and say, "Well, that's a terrible behavior to build process and structure around because you're not engaging any more any more diversity of any kind. It's just that that is." one individual working hard, and that's not long-term successful. And then the next thing is it's much easier to surround yourself with people that look like, sound like, think like you, right? So it's easier to form homogenous groups where we say, oh, well, you know, here's a bunch of my my friends from like one pocket of society Mm -hmm. who largely think in the same way. And what you're doing is so much more challenging, where you're saying, Hey, we're really intentionally saying we want to form truly diverse groups because we know that there's so much more goodness and a richness that comes out of true, true diversity that leads to better problem solving, better innovation. And to your point, I think people generally understand and aspire to do that well. It's just really hard to do. So, what lessons would you have for our listeners who might say, I'd love to get more diversity in my business. I'd love to have more innovative problem solving. You know, what What lessons could you share with those people from your experience with District C? Yeah,
3: I mean, to borrow from Montia, a, a District C student who's now a senior at UNC Chapel Hill who was on a panel recently and speaking about you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, and the question to her was the same, right? Like what's your advice to companies who say they care about this, um, but who really want to live into that? So stop, you know, essentially like they need to do it. Like yeah. words are great. Where's the action? And and I think, Mike, to your point, if companies are saying like, well, I don't really know what to do, well there there are people who do. And there's there's levels to this, right? I mean, I think really spending time You know, understanding historical context, unpacking structural racism, there are pieces that need to be done that are really underlying all of this. And, And I think that is, you know, that is not work that District C does, but that is work that we would we would be happy to connect you with people who do a really wonderful job at that. But that's action oriented. That's a willingness to say, let's have those conversations. And if we need help, let's bring the help in that we need to have them. I think then building that culture, those habits, those ways of working that really do leverage diversity, that are strengths focused, that are team based, um, you can build on some of those values and belief systems and really start building in some of those habits and those practices. And Tracy, as you were saying, you'll get there. I mean, you, you can build those kinds of cultures and then you start to see the innovation. That's That's the outcome of it, right? Is that when you really are getting the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You're not just getting one person's thinking. You're getting that magical collection of four people's thinking that somehow all of a sudden became like the value of six.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like what you say there in terms of it's like the ultimate leadership lesson, right? Like if you don't know how to do something or you don't know where to start, ask other people who have that expertise and be willing to listen, right? Be willing to have the conversation and, and be able to listen and take advice and kind of hear other perspectives. And I think that goes for so many, you know, things with leaders is if they can, you know, admit that they don't have all the answers, right? We all have to admit we don't know everything. It's, yep. uh, <laughs> it's one of the truths we all live with that we we can't know all the knowledge, but being able to have that conversation and really being able to listen to your team, to other experts, to other groups, and be willing to reach out, right? Like it, yep. it does take a certain level of confidence and humility to reach out and if it's you and say hey Ann you know what I don't know how to solve this challenge can you help me can you help me understand can you help me find other experts who could you know give me more insights and and that's a really valuable leadership lesson and it sounds like you're you're teaching the students that which is which is amazing but maybe I know that we're going to kind of get to the point of like how do people get involved with district C so as a preemptive question of that is maybe you could tell us about some of the types of projects that students have worked on just, you don't have to give like super details around company confidentiality, but if you just have some <laughs> examples of like, hey, like what, what kind of like range of projects are these, are these students working on as a team? That'd be awesome. Yeah,
3: the first thing I'll say to your point about, you don't know, have to share company secrets is like, I just want to acknowledge that for businesses to come and share pro- like real problems, not stuff that they're thinking about or maybe they're worried about, like we ask them for stuff that's really keeping you up at night, does take a certain amount of vulnerability. And I just want to honor that. Like, it, you're kind of sort of saying, we don't know this. We can't figure this out. And to your point, they really are listening. That's got to be where it all starts. I would say the types of problems that businesses bring, um, some of them are sort of operational process oriented. Let me give you an example. Uh Fleet Feet Sports was our very first business partner. They have brought, I think, over four problems uh, over the course of the last few years for students to solve And one of them was really around their onboarding process. So for their staff, they're being excellent customer service uh, is like core to their brand. And they were really sort of looking at what is that onboarding process and how can we ensure that the folks that are on the ground helping customers with running shoes and that kind of thing are just like top notch. So those kinds of like operational process things. uh, We worked with a restaurant in downtown Raleigh called Raleigh Raw. Uh, that really, um, was looking at some like flow issues. So again, operational process, lots of stuff around marketing, um, segment growth. So how do we reach Gen Z? Uh, you know, uh, our referral rates are tapping out. How do we sort of get that curve tipped up again? So new markets, product growth, those sorts of things. Um, and we, we've had some interesting one too around culture, speaking of. Uh, company came to high school students and and really asking and saying, you know, we have different verticals in our company, you know, sort of corporate vertical, landscaping, maintenance, you know, the only people that come to the holiday party are corporate. Mm. That's a culture problem. They brought that problem to high school students and they dug in, you know, so I, it, it, they tend to kind of fall in into those different places. But the key for us is they're real. Like we say to businesses, don't make this up. Like, you know, too many times you're like, oh, they're high school kids. So we should like give them a problem they can do. Don't worry about that. They'll be fine. Let's talk about what you are really concerned about as a business. What are you really worrying about as a business? And again, I just have to say the vulnerability is just nothing short of inspiring. They care about their business. They care about their employees. They care about their customers. They want to do better. So they're willing to put it out there. Um, and, And the pitches that we do are public. I mean, so this isn't just cheering with the, with the eight or 12 students uh, that they're working with. This could be whoever happens to show up at that particular pitch. Again, great leadership. And sometimes we'll even say like, thank you so much for modeling the kind of listening and the kind of vulnerability that it takes to be great.
0: We like to call that confident humility, right? Con- I love it. Confident in yourself, whether yourself is an organization or an individual but humble enough to say, I don't know at all. I'm, I'm looking for diverse perspectives. And I, I think that that model is so cool. And you're instilling that in both the students and in the organizations. Um, and fundamentally that's, that's teamwork. So yeah. that is amazing. And, and to uh, go from Tracy's last question, and would love to know how can our listeners engage with you
3: I mean, so we'll sort of start with the student level. I mean, if, if you know of a student or, or you have a student that's in high school, or we also have middle school programs, we'd love for you to uh, be sure that your school knows about us. Uh, teamship, again, we can train a coach. That coach is a teacher at the school. They can offer Teamship as a semester class, as a full-year class, as an after-school program, as a summer program. You know, for, for parents and young people out there, see if you can't, Get a coach trained so that they can begin offering that not only for you, but, you know, for for future leaders to come. For businesses out there, if you're willing to be vulnerable, we'd love for you to come and be a part of this work. You know, we ask our businesses, have you or will you use use something, implement something that you had from these students? 90% say yes. This this is real value back to the companies. We call this two-way value. It's hugely value for students. No question. But it's going to be valuable for you as a company as well. So come on board right? and go to our website and sign up. We'll get you onboarded. And you can partner with schools in your community and you can work with those coaches and bring real problems uh, into into your local schools. Obviously, we are a nonprofit. So if you are interested in contributing, sponsoring a coach, and if you're interested in being a coach, come on board it's not a light lift. Like we're going to, you know, the coaching institute's 50 hours. This is an intensive process where first you learn it through the lens of a problem solver, then you learn it through the lens of a coach, as, as I mentioned earlier, but got one kicking off in January. So by all means, you know, we work certainly with a lot of educators, but we've, we work with nonprofit leaders. We've worked with entrepreneurs, community leaders, people that Care about this, and they're going to go maybe co-coach maybe with somebody in their school, right? They know that there's a teacher offering it at the local high school, and they're maybe going to, for a problem cycle that lasts a month. They're going to go in and co-coach with that. That's their give back. That's you know instead of doing go paint a house for the day, they're going to go co-coach students and make them better problem solvers. So, those awesome. are the kind of the avenues.
2: It sounds like anybody could anybody nationwide, right? So if it as teachers no matter where, awesome.
3: Yeah, no matter where. This is the beauty of virtual. Our, our <laughs> coaching institute is all virtual. And then when you take that back to your school, you have the flexibility of you know creating an in-person program, creating an online program, or creating a mix and match It works any way.
2: That's awesome. We will definitely put your contact information in the show notes, Anne, so folks Thank will you. reach out. And um, if you're interested, we recommend you... Uh, Know, get in touch with Anne and District C Mike and I are already brainstorming the problems that we could potentially share so uh I love look, it look forward to a to a submission by teams and co I, I think there's such there's such great alignment and we just we you know we've been talking about how excited we are about your approach and it just makes so much sense, right We all go through this this idea of onboarding new team members, making sure team members know our processes and our procedures, and to have an organization out there teaching students all of those things even before they get to our organizations it's so valuable it makes it easier for them to make the transition into corporate life it makes the you know the transition for for leaders easier to be able to say hey this person's already has some experience working with teams this is awesome exactly so we're we're excited we we can't thank you enough for for being on the show today and we will definitely uh you know share your information on social media and uh, on the show notes and uh, hopefully our hopefully our listeners will reach out from far and wide.
3: <laughs> I appreciate it. And I just want to thanks to you all, too. I mean this, really, because, you know, for, our, for us as our students are preparing to enter into these companies that you're working with, I tell you what, they want to be in a company where they feel heard, where they feel listened to, where they are being asked to think as a team. Uh, and so to know that you all are out in the world uh, building those kinds of companies and help companies who care about this. Uh, I hope our students find their way to those places because that's where we know they will thrive and the company will thrive. So thank you so much.
0: And I don't want to leave this conversation without thanking you for the work that you and the District C team are doing. And I also just want to highlight the entrepreneurial spirit of what you're putting into practice, everything that we've been talking about, recognizing a deeply rooted problem that is very visceral and that so many people experience on both sides of this two-sided market both as contributors to the workforce and as businesses and taking a truly innovative approach and entering into that conversation. I think what you and the team are doing is a great use case for the different things that you are, are teaching um, and not just teaching, but coaching uh, students how to do well. So thank you for what you're doing in our community. I can't wait to see the growth of district C and to continue to engage uh, in hopefully lots of different ways here in the coming months and years.
3: Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
2: Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in again for another episode of Building Teams with Teams & Co. We hope you follow the podcast. You can subscribe, leave a rating uh, so other folks know what you've been enjoying about the podcast. Um, And also check us out on YouTube. We share videos over there as well. So you can find the recordings uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. The transcripts are on our website. And uh, YouTube will have some fun videos where you can uh, see all the things that we're talking about each week um, and just some shorter clips, too. So if you just want to kind of dive into some very specific topics, you can you can find those there. So and thank you again. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch. Thanks, y'all.
0: Take care.
1: You've been listening to Building Teams with Teams & Co., to learn more about the latest thinking on how to empower your team to deliver exceptional results or to book a consultation, please visit us at teamsinco.com or follow us at LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Mention of particular products or services and participation of a guest does not imply an endorsement by Teams Co. The information provided is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not be taken as professional advice.